Hi, midlifers. This is your technical problem alert. This week, for some reason, my microphone didn't want to talk to my iPad, and as a result, I've got quite wonky sound quality on this week's episode. Simon, as ever, remains crystal clear and pitch perfect. I sound like I'm talking through a tunnel. Hope you'll forgive me, and fingers crossed, normal service will be resumed next week. What have you done this week that makes you feel proud, Simon? What a good, um, what a good question. I'm glad you asked. I, what a busy week it was. You know what? Can I? Can I? This is. I'm not sure. Pride is the right sensation. Is pride an emotion? I don't know. Maybe satisfied. Maybe that you've achieved something. Yeah, it's kind of well, like it... I basically took it from the the uh, the M people song. What have you done today that makes you feel proud? That sense of, you know. This is a podcast in which two friends talk about the pleasures, absurdities and imperfections of being human. I'm Simon Ellis. And I'm Lee Miller. Welcome to midlifing. Because obviously it's a seven, one of the seven deadly sins. I don't think I'm thinking in oh, that. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's also the name of the U2 song for those of uh, those uh, eagle-eared listeners. Everybody knows that Simon likes U2. <laughs> oh, yes, I still do. It's true. And I'm, I'm proud of that. I think the thing that comes to mind, and this is really follow-up from last week, and so I'm not sure how long to dwell on it, but I, um, my solution to the issue of... Um, A family member? Yes. Uh, for those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, then you best you go listen to last week's episode. And um, uh, I just said quite clearly left a message um, saying, I can't cope with this. Uh, it's not good for my mental health and um, I'm going to stop now. And if you need to talk to me about this, then I would like you to ask the lawyers to contact me, to do it through the lawyers. And then, Whoa. yeah, and then I got a message back saying, um, I couldn't be bothered listening to your message and deleted it resend and um after much umming and ahhing i did decide to resend it i was i was sorely tempted um see previous conversation about intransigence uh sorely tempted not to resend it <laughs> and but i did and then um hit the block button which you know what boy did it go i, I could have done that months ago yeah but the thing about it, you know, and I think that's—I think this is a very strong theme throughout the two plus years we've been doing this, which is for all of the sense of um, I mean, it's nothing satisfying about that, nothing satisfying about that. That's what it came to, absolutely. And in fact, pride is not at all the feeling, but certainly the sense of going. I have got out of a situation that I was not able to cope with, and so I feel relief. I feel a certain amount of sadness, um, but definitely feel better than this time a week ago, if you know what I mean. 
Yeah, I do. That sense of um, having, it's, it's like lancing a boil. It's not necessarily a comfortable experience because you've got to, you know, split the skin and drain things out and then you've got to pack it and keep draining it and all of those sorts of things. But you know that that tight feeling of the of something being festering inside. I'm so sorry for the mental images here, but I it's guess I mean there's, there's something curative going on, even though it's not comfortable. And it's definitely not one more in the name of love. I mean, I don't know what one more would be in this context. So I, I, I don't know what they're saying. I know. Neither do I. Is it one scone? One more Malteser? I'm sure. I'm sure those were possible lyrics for um, yeah. for Bono and the Boys back in 1984. Um, in the name of love, one more. In the name of love, one, one more, more scone. One more sandwich. <laughs> oh, just just one more glass of wine. In the name of love. Okay. One more for the road. In the name of love. So yes, it's uh, I yeah. It, pride is not. I mean, I think maybe there's a touch of it because I don't think that's something I do very often. Is to withdraw myself from a situation like that. And and what have you learnt, even in the short term? Because I know it's difficult to answer this. Just a week later. Exactly. Nothing could possibly go wrong after a week. <laughs> no, I don't mean about what, what the consequences might be. I didn't say what do you think the consequences would be. I mean, what have you learnt about yourself as a result of having made that step? What has it opened up to you? It's probably something that lots of people listening would like to find the, the capacity or the wherewithal to just draw a line under something. So I mean, it's, pretty, mm. it's a pretty ballsy move, mate. Mm. I don't think of it in that. I don't think of it as um, like courageous or ballsy. Um, it reminds me a little bit, for example, of uh, I think I would have been fourteen, and you know, I, I mean, I was always a bit of a fast twitch athlete. And for those of you who haven't studied uh, exercise science, that generally we are uh, we have muscles which are more or less made up of a kind of sometimes fast twitch sometimes slow twitch muscles you know a certain and, quantity am i right am i right that twitch fibers and and so like if you've got like fast ones you're good at jumping and yeah, kind of like explosive power, ex- movements exactly. and slow ones are good for the long kind of the, the long distance stuff is that right pretty much and there are there are, there are hey, look two, at me. i know i yeah. paid attention to something that you said at some point in my life, yeah, and, and you know, there, and there are. It's a little bit more nuanced than that, but more or less, you can and you can train them to a certain extent. But mostly, it's just genetic. You've got a certain percentage of these and a certain percentage of those, and there's you know, and again, they they're subjected to training. But and I was more of a fast twitch bloke person, you know, sp- sprinter, jumping, that sort of thing. And um, <clears throat> I was running in a fifteen hundred meters race, which is not. Well, actually, it depends on your level, which is not a lot, but that was pretty slow twitch for me. And I was getting beaten badly. I really didn't like getting beaten badly. And also, I didn't feel good at all physically. And I pulled out. And um, my brother, who was three, three years older than me, who was an elite athlete, a uh, cyclist, very, very uh, national champion. And um, he said, I would never ever pull out of a race for any reason whatsoever and um i mean i'm sure he didn't say it in quite that kind of tone 
but he was but being, that's what you heard. he was very matter of fact about it. And I, you know, I yeah. certainly felt, um, I felt, <laughs> I felt shamed. You know, I did. I felt uh, that ashamed, firstly, that I was getting beat so badly, but also that I then, my reaction to that was to pull out, was to withdraw. So there's a certain, there's a certain aspect of the story, which is when we can't face a battle and we turn and run. There's a certain, there's a certain amount of that. Not too much, but there is. And then the other part, which is just, just relief and just so just acknowledging in the week what I've learned is just how stressful it had been just how you know and how long it had been like that because it was um the that sense of relief was almost instantaneous that's a lot to unpack because of the sense of I <laughs> I'm just thinking about the the uh, the family member <laughs> your brother that that sort of sense of of do you think the intention was to shame you or do you think the intention was to just sort of go oh huh, okay look at us we're different no, i don't i don't i don't think it and also yes and also because you know like i say he would have been 17 i was 14 give or take and um so quite it's quite a big shift in your life from 14 to 17 and also um i don't think it's not the kind of person I understand him to be. Um, so no, I don't think so. I think he was more stating a fact. And but I think he maybe he was expressing disappointment. But I didn't. It's not how how a relationship was. It's very. I I I could. I think I could insert any quantity of you know forty years later um, stuff into that question. And not really, know, you know, I could, any answer would suit me now, but I don't really know the answer to the question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you get what I mean, you know, it's, and I, you know, and I think that even that, you know, more generally, if you're not thinking about, um, let's say, my woes and thinking about it more broadly, that's just that there is a, a pretty fascinating thing, which is, well, what is the story I might tell of that moment? And I, it, it came to me in, under these circumstances and I told it in a particular way. But there are many other ways I might tell that story, um, one of which being I never quit again as an athlete. I mean, mm. you know, no way. That's fascinating. Mm. I wonder, because mm, because I have, because I, I, I came to my body very late in life, as you know. I don't think, I don't think I experienced completing something until probably well into my 30s. It was just, just right before you learned how to complete a bottle of wine by yourself. <laughs> yeah, it's probably all part of the same thing. So I think... Coming into your body? Going out of your body. Yes, so yeah, you came into your body and then you were going... Yeah, anyway, I came so you... into my body so much, much later than you. And so that, that sense of never having really completed anything... Um, you know, I, I, I never completed a race. I never completed a bike ride that I didn't get off and push my bike up the hill. Mm. I, um, you know, I, I didn't, I, I don't think I got a swimming proficiency badge. I did none of those things. My body was not... Um, not your temple. It wasn't, no, that's, I think that sounds, um, sounds more jocular than I intend. Oh, um, I, I, I genuinely didn't understand it or know how to corral its properties. And so what was physical edu 
education did was there physical education at school oh yes, yes. and that was physical just you went out and played physical sport physical education was um between two and four hours of abject torture and horror per week that's yep. what it was i would i i lived in absolute fear of oh. going into those into those spaces and what sort of percentage so... of your colleagues or peers did you think had similar experiences there were maybe four or five people in my class at any given time that w- that were roughly the same, and most other people kind of rubbed rubbed along or were you know good. I, I didn't go to school with the elite athletes, but I went to school with you know lads who were who were yeah. gifted yeah. physically. Um, and mm. I, but it was just I did not understand. I didn't understand the joy of moving. I didn't understand the ability to move my body in one direction or another direction. I yeah. was clumsy. I fell down. And there was it no, was, there was no was, sense from the teachers, the phys ed teachers, that that part of their role might be to find ways to include you. No, their role was to shame me. Oh. Their role was to call me fat or to call me lazy or to call me stupid. Mm. That was their job. Three of our favourite words. Yeah, yeah. Always guaranteed Just to make somebody do what, on, what you need them to do. On behalf of all physical education graduates uh, around the world, uh, Lee, I just want to apologise. I think, well, that's very nice of you. I think it's, it's an, um, having gone on then to become a, a yoga teacher, um, it is a turn for a turn up. It's a turn up for the books, isn't it? That one. It is a turn up for the books, and I think it, I, I <laughs> even suspect... when I first met you, it still shocks me a little. Wait, hang on. Oh, what? Yeah, <laughs> I know. Oh, I know. It's it was a it was a steep learning curve, and I think. Um, but when I encounter bodies, one of the things that I'm really, really keen to communicate is when somebody looks at me doing something and then quite often looking at what you are doing and trying to translate that back into their bodies and then being frustrated that their body won't do what your body does mm. and then you know you they'll go oh why will why can't i do that thing and, and having to sort of gently remind them that the people who teach things usually teach it because they've found an ease in their body or and have been doing it a long time i don't even think it's that I think it's that the people who go on to teach something probably have an innate capability in the way their body is made that they can do that thing. So they can, you know, it goes to your twitch fibres. People who are good at teaching long-distance running probably have a body that is good at long-distance running. And so, do do, do you know what I mean? So you're saying that the people that you you get... you find yourself good at something and you're more likely to teach it. I think that you wouldn't teach something that you couldn't find that you were good at. Oh, it's so intriguing because I, I, I sort of have this sense which is sometimes the opposite, which is, you know, I think I don't, I'm using you as an example, but which is not to say that you weren't good at it. I don't mean that at all, but that you, because, because of the coming to it late, that you, your experience of learning it was much more, much less like, the kind of learning that I did as a tennis player, which was as, as a very young person. And so it was just, that's what I was doing. It's very different from learning yoga in your, in your mid-30s where your self-consciousness about it, your, um, your awareness of what the teaching is going on because you're already a teacher yourself, not of yoga. So that your uh, awareness of that situation meant that, for me, 
um, my experience of teachers like that is that their capacity to share the experience and what's going on in the experience is far more nuanced than one who's just done it from the word go and has no real recollection of what it's like to learn this thing. Oh, I fully agree. I fully agree. But I also think it's both and. I would not have been standing at the front of a room teaching yoga had yoga not sat so incredibly well in my body. Mm. I was able to find it in a way that nothing else, nothing else sort of settled into my body. So I think that that is, that's the bit that I mean, that, you know, that it's like when you've got somebody going, why doesn't my leg do that? It's like, well, maybe your leg's just not, ever going to do that and that's okay because we're not trying to chase a shape Mm. and that was the bit that I think was missing from and these these were probably people a lot younger than me now but I think of them as these old old men shouting at me yeah 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 just incapable of incapable of understanding that the thing that they were competent at and had never thought otherwise uh uh-huh yeah was was something that might not be, you know, not might not be available in somebody else's body. Yes, and also that that people who are not like that effectively become objects of scorn. Because, and and that's you know just a, a in a way a lack of imagination. And you know I remember it very clearly that, and I'm sure we've talked about this, which is just to say, how is it how is it that you don't enjoy you know not being able to comprehend how you couldn't mm. enjoy this, you know, it was just a really, yeah. and, and, you know, that was a complete failure on my part, but also a, a, certainly a failure on the quality of the, of the physical education teaching, uh, teaching. And I'm sure there are people who have had experiences who have had extraordinary experiences in physical education at primary school or high school, which have transformed their relationship to their bodies. But I suspect, Absolutely. I suspect there are a lot fewer of those than the ones you, than, than the story you're telling of your own. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, yeah, I, I, I hope that I hope that the that the narratives have shifted. And I'm not really. Um, I think I just want to. I'm just really I'm struck by the idea of. Um, I'm struck by the idea of you never quitting again. Mm. And and I also just thinking about there is there is such. I think there is such power in knowing that this doesn't this isn't working for me so i'm going to walk away from it and that doesn't that doesn't reduce me in any way yeah i no i completely agree but it's that even as you're saying that it's still on the on the on that say on the body of a former athlete that um that is ooh you know it really it's um it makes my it makes me tingle <laughs> how does that translate to the other parts of your life do you think? Um, I think I think the thing that um, I think the complex part of that, and I suspect that. Well, I'm not going to uh, speak for anyone here other than myself. Which is I, I, the complex part of that is what are the implications for other people of me not finishing something? So, for example, what what if uh, I don't do the part I'm supposed to do? Um, as part of a let's say a collaboration or something like that, then, then it, then it has a direct, uh, you might say, impact um, on, on those other people, uh, in terms of either them being able to do their own job or their sense of uh, their part, their role in the collaboration or et cetera, things like that. And so there's something about 
there's something about the social aspect. I think it's I think it's more or less easy if I'm thinking about, or it's easier if I'm thinking about. Well, what what's to me? What's my what's my what's its effect on me? And what are the going to be the best things for what I think about myself? And all those you know, and the stress or the pleasure, all the different things that come into making a decision like that. But it is the the social aspect I f- I find more interesting maybe but also more complex yeah but then again you've got friends from being you know a child like a tiny tiny child and so there is that sense of of continuity of socialization that i i I just don't have Mm. but you know and you you know we we have them at i mean it was interesting the, the other day i was at a um guess it was a conference it wasn't really it was more like a big meeting um investigating you know it was with a very particular uh sort of agenda and trying to think about this quite it's very cross-disciplinary and and i was one of the people who was i I wasn't i was just a note taker effectively an unpaid note taker so i was someone who was observing slightly little more outside um and it really was interesting in one moment when when in the small group, so a group of six people, including me, they're having a conversation, I'm taking notes, and every now and again I'd ask someone to clarify or I'd say, well, does that mean, you know, so I was, it wasn't that I wasn't participating, but I was much more, mm-hmm. I, I was less mm-hmm. of an expert in the area than they, they all were. Yeah, you were a bit out of focus. Exactly, and, you know, and that's quite a, it's a, quite a treat. And um, one of the people uh, was very vocal, very strong opinions, and when they stopped talking, would open their computer and start doing emails. And... Oh, wow. Or walk away and get a cup of tea, come back, talk. I'm being a little bit... I'm being... It was a little less clear than that but that's if if you were you know for the benefit for the sake of the story that was pretty much what was going on so fine when they were talking absent when they weren't and it really occurred to me that that they were they were it was you could say well the contribution that the person made was you know was remarkable had quite interesting things to say but what was going on in terms of how you as a group as social human beings you know social animals what that says to what it is that you have to say in the group that this person cannot even pay attention to that and so the, i'm i guess i'm trying to sort of hint at the it's it's also it's the things we're doing when we're not doing you might say. So what are the implications for me of pulling out of that particular thing? How does it influence the the, the sense of cohesion in the group or the kinds of co- conversations that might come out when people feel like they're being heard? Hey, um, uh, just to, I was thinking we probably should finish, but I did have a, I had a little story to tell from yesterday, which I thought it might be useful. And that is, I met met up with hadn't seen her for a long time, or family, but um, my great niece, who's six oh. who's six years old, mm-hmm. and loves mathematics. And oh. it was the we spent the entire time. She had a little kind of um, I had a notebook and also this sort of erasable thing, like one of those magic erasers from the old days. But it was like a cheap 
plastic digital version. And um, she would write a little sum and ask me to fill in the gap. And then it got, it was interesting when I started going, I wonder where she's at. And then, you know, when you say to someone four times three or three times four and you get them, they're looking at their fingers of four and they're looking at their other fingers of four and then they're having to get another set of four fingers and then count them like that. That's the, you know. But then when you, when I did it as a pattern, one times four, two times four, three times four, four times four, um, she, when she saw the pattern, she would she was able to um, meet the pattern almost immediately. She was absorbing patterns so incredibly. For example, uh, one times ten, two times ten, three times ten, four times ten. As soon as she saw that you just added a zero or two zeros, Abel was able to ask her 1,458 uh, times ten equals... And so she was. She, it was fantastic. Her her absorbing principles and patterns, and then going boom, and not being at all um, shaken or distracted by longer numbers. It was so much fun just seeing her deal with this. It was really beautiful, and the pleasure she was taking it. That sounds awesome. I know. And then just I just sent her a message, which was in brackets. You know, four plus three, and then gap. And then in brackets, two plus one or whatever it was. And so that's bracketing and going, is it less than, greater than or equal? So she's, she's dealing with those amazing abstractions at the age of uh, six years old. What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's fantastic. Eh? I mean, her dad's a software developer. He's basically a mathematician. Oh, still. <laughs> wow. Wow. And on that bombshell, yeah. I think we should stop recording. We should.